the body of Christ and the world is in a It's in a spot right now that there is going to be a great divide. Just as when Moses came down from, from the mountain and he saw all that was going on with the, the, the calf that they made and, and he had to make a separation. Who is on the Lord's side? And that's the great divide that's that's we're we're entering in and we already hear that God is saying who's on my side and who's on the world's side and every individual in the earth have to make a decision are you on the Lord's side or are you on the side of the enemy you cannot be in between or on the fence. If you're in between and on the fence, you'll be ripped from, from both ends. Just as how Jesus said, you either be hot or cold. And we're in a, a, a time where God is going to show himself in such a phenomenal way. You know, we, we've been hearing that for so long, so long, so long. I mean, since I was very, since I was a teenager, we've been hearing this. But rest assured, this is the time and this is the hour that God is going to show himself strong on the behalf of his people. And I'm going to read a scripture before I get into what I was saying because the, the, the Lord just gave me this scripture all the way down there, it's Jeremiah 10. Jeremiah 10, 1 through 6, it says, Hear the word that the Lord speak to you, O Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not act like the other nations, who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. They decorated with gold and silver and then fastened it securely with hammer and nail so it won't fall over. Their gods are like helpless scarecrow in a cucumber field. They cannot speak and they need to be carried because they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of such gods. For they can neither harm you nor do any, do you any good. Do not be afraid of such gods. For they can neither harm you nor do, nor do you any good. Lord, there is none. There is no one. There is none like you. 
for you are great and your name is full of power. That's the God we serve. This is what he's saying to his people. If they will hear what he has to say. And because of where we are now, God always, always prepare his people. Not only prepares his people, he protects his people. And he brings them through no matter what the situation is. And we're in a place right now where we know the hand of God is on his people. And we know that God is going to bring us through no matter what the situation arise, circumstances are around us. But we must trust him. When I say trust, I don't mean you trust him when you're in church. I don't mean trust him when other brothers and sisters are around you. That you can say I trust God, but deep inside you know that there is something missing. That, that there is something that is holding you back because you have to let go of what you think it should be or what God should do. Trust means you rely totally on him. Proverbs says, those that trust in the Lord shall be safe. But we don't believe that. We say we do. But what fruit are you producing to say that you do? Jesus says, by their fruits, we will know them. That means, what are you producing? Not only what you're saying, but what is coming out of your life. What is your lifestyle like to show and to let so others can see that I trust God. I believe God no matter what the circumstances because ladies and gentlemen we are coming into a time that there is going to be such darkness and 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 so much evil being developed by the enemy that if you don't trust God you will be swallowed up so last Thursday while in prayer I heard the Lord said three words, light in Goshen. I had an idea what light in Goshen was, but I had to scurry to, to look, okay, what is light in Goshen? Exactly what is that? And I looked at Exodus 20, excuse me, Exodus 8, Verse 20 through 23 says, Then the Lord told Moses, Get up early in the morning and stand in Pharaoh's way as he goes down to the river. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials, your people, and all the houses. The Egyptian homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. But this time, this time, 
time is, is, a, is an exact period. But this time, now. But this time, I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear, not a foggy one, not an iffy one, not a maybe, not a ah, I think so. He said, I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. There is going to be a clear distinction between the true people of God, what I call the ecclesia, the ones that are called out, the true church, the ones that know him by his name, not the ones that say that they're the church, but the ones that know him. I will make a distinction between them. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. Then I went on. I looked at Exodus 9, 24 through 26. And it says, never in all the history of, of Egypt had there been a storm like that, which just devastating hail and continuous lightning. It left all Egypt in ruins. The hail struck down everything in the open fields, people, animal, plants alike, plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hail was the region of Goshen where the people, where the people of Israel live, where the people of God lives. And finally, To the scripture that he referenced me, Exodus 10, 21 through 23 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Lift up your hands towards heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. Can you imagine? Okay, if you turn off all these lights, it's just dark. But imagine how dark that place God was going to make it, that you can reach out and touch darkness. We are coming into a place, and you see, I don't know about uh, some of you, but I can feel the darkness arising. I can, if any spiritual aptitude, you can feel what, what, what's coming and, and, and you're saying to yourself, God, will I be able to survive? You can if you live in the land of Goshen. That is the only way that you will survive the darkness that is about to come upon this, not only this nation, but the world. You have to live in the land of Goshen. Now notice, Goshen was in Egypt. It wasn't, it wasn't a separate country. It was a part of Egypt. 
But even though there was darkness around them, so much darkness that they couldn't, I still can't imagine how you could feel darkness. 22nd verse said, so Moses lifted up his hands to the sky and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other. No one moved for three days. Can you imagine sitting in your seat right now for three days? Three whole... Um, Okay, you got to think, okay, uh, all right. You got to go to the restroom some, at some point. That, that, and, and after you're sitting for a while, your, 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 your muscles start to twitch. And then your nerves start to hit you that you, you got to, you want to move. But it was so thick that you couldn't even move. I don't want that. For three days. But there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. Take this tonight as the prophetic word to this church. Those of you that are living in Goshen, and you know the word Goshen means? It means to draw near. To draw near. And for this body that has drawn themselves near to God, because in, in James 4, it says, it says, move your heart closer. And closer to God. He will come even closer. To you. When you are close to God. You are considered being in Goshen. There is always light in Goshen. There is always provision. In Goshen. Just as long as you stay in Goshen. Those children of Israel, if they had decided, you know, let me go see what's going on out there. Let me go and see what, what's going on, on the other side of Egypt. They would have lost their life. Why? Because they would be intermingling with darkness, not knowing where they're going, and the darkness will consume you. They could be walking and not knowing that there's a cliff there. God is saying, be in Goshen. Psalm 145, 17 and 18 says, the Lord is righteous in all his way and holy in all, in all his works, the Lord is near unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Fear not, 
God says, because I am with you. Fear not. Because as long as you stay in the presence of God where he wants you to be, he said, no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. He has given his angels charge over you to keep him, to keep you in all, not some, but all of his ways. That was the word of the Lord the Lord gave me last Thursday. And then this morning, this morning, I, I was minding my business. As when I do when I'm praying, I mind my business. And the Lord said to me, this, this scripture in Psalm 2, the word he's saying is, why does or why do the heathen, I'm sorry, did I say Psalm 2? Why does the heathen rage? That's all he said. Why does the heathen rage? And the people imagine vain things. The kings of the earth that set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from them. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. And I believe what God was saying is those that are in charge think they're in charge. They think they know what they're doing. They think they know everything. They think they can run roughshod over the true church. Those that are called by his name. Those are the ones that God says, I have made you a God in the earth. Those ones that, that God says they stand in the congregation. He stands of the mighty and he judges among the gods. He said, you are gods. The anointed. God is sitting in heaven right now. And he's laughing because they think they know. They think they're in charge. They think they have everything that they need. But if you don't have the Lord, you have nothing. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them with his sore displeasure. Rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in where God wants you to be, you are safe because God himself will protect you. But you must trust and believe that I know I understand sometimes it could be difficult trusting God when you don't see anything in front of you you don't see it coming to pass but that's what trust is he knows the beginning from the end and everything in between ladies and gentlemen put all your faith in God and God alone 
and rest assured he will bring you through every situation. Nothing is hard for God. He said to Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing is too hard for our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Stephen, I'm going to use this mic. I'm not going to use this. I'm still going to keep it on, though, so I don't have to fool with it. I mean, that was a word and a half. What's very interesting about this is that the Lord gave him that word on Thursday. Thursday, right? And so this morning, I was just like, I was probably wearing my wife out because I was like, I don't have nothing. And I said, I'm just, I mean, I was just twisting and turning. I'm just like, Lord, and, and I've been there before. And I was just like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to minister. I could go so many different directions. And I did not feel I was supposed to minister on heaven tonight. And so, and so then he texted me something about, you know, a revelation of Goshen. And it's like, there it is right there, Jesus. How many know the Lord is a mastermind? So what's interesting is, is that all I did was say, okay, well, you can go ahead and just share what it is that you want to share, and I'll just come up behind you, even though I didn't really know what he was going to share. So it's very, I don't think it's a coincidence that without, the, without us talking to each other, the Lord gives him the revelation about through the story of Moses. And then without us talking, the Lord gives me the revelation of how he protected the people with Joseph. So one group had to stand still. The other group had to plan and save. Understand what I'm saying? So let's look at something here. We'll put up this graphic here. And it's going to seem a little strange, so just follow me for a moment. I really like my church. Don't you know what I'm saying? I really like it. I don't mean I own it. I'm just saying I like the church I go to. <laughs> In the book of Revelation, let me say something. Most people don't listen to warnings. I've learned that over a period of time. You can warn them. You can tell them. You can show them. And then they will talk themselves out of the warning. Nah, that's not going to happen. Same way they didn't believe that everyone was going to be homeschooled and a virus. It is amazing to see what has changed in one year that nobody believed would change. And it's still evolving. And so in the book of Revelation, I don't know exactly where we are. We could already be in it or it could be getting ready to start. Or there's something that hit me today, and that is it's a possibility that many people have completely misinterpreted the book of Revelation. Either way, the Bible in this graphic talks about a series of events that will coincide with these things right here. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven thunders, and seven bowls of wrath. Revelation 5, 1 through 3 <clears throat> says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne, and there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll which is interesting. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? 
but no one in heaven, earth, or under the earth, three realms, heaven, earth, and hell, was able to open the scroll and read it. And like I said before, the Holy Spirit told me, you know, it wasn't about the seals. It was about what was written after you broke the seal. Okay. And in Revelation 6, 1 through 8, I'm not going to do this with all of the other ones, but just with this one for a moment. It says, as I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. And then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice of thunder, come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow. What's interesting, he's carried a bow, but no arrow. And a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. We don't know if this is positive or negative. Verse 3. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. That didn't start last year. That's been here for centuries. Verse 5. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and wine. We don't know what that means. It seems to be economic, but olive oil and wine are representative of holy things of God. But when the lamb broke the fourth seal, which is where I will stop, I heard the fourth living being say, Come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So those are four of the seven seals. So it seems as though the seal is broken and then something happens in planet earth. It, Book of Revelation, once you get to chapter 5, is kind of talking about things that happen in heaven and then it, it triggers something on planet earth. You understand what I'm saying? So these are just four. Four of the seven seals that are broken. I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. To help you understand is that this is the mayhem that the world is getting ready to move into. And, and, and they got this thing of whether the church is going to be snatched out or whether she's going to be here for a little while, how many know that based on what he just shared, apparently this is not going to affect us, whether we here or there. Now, you can stay down here if you want to, but how many know the Lord knows when it's time to take the fruit off the tree? So I don't want to get into these arguments about whether the church is going to be taken before the revelation, uh, tribulation, during the tribulation, or, or at the end of the tribulation. I don't care, because apparently of what Pastor Devon just shared, we're going to be taken care of either way. Thank you. Revelation 8, 1 through 2. When the lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, the last one, there was silence throughout heaven for about a half an hour. And planet earth, we have a moment of silence after something crazy has happened. In heaven, they have a moment of silence before it happens. After the seventh seal, in verse 2, I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and then it transitions to over to seven trumpets. And I'm not going to go over into what you have to read the Bible yourself to find out how many know. Just this situation gets worse and worse and worse. We don't know because I'm not arrogant enough to say that I know everything in the Bible. Would you agree? We don't know if these things are consecutive, like you do the seven seals, 
then the seven trumpets, then the seven thunders, and then the seven bowls of wrath, or we don't know if they are on top of each other. In other words, the seven seals, while at the same time the seven trumpets, at the same time the seven thunders, and at the same time the bowls of wrath. Because just because they showed it to him in that order doesn't mean that that's how it's going to happen. Because when you read it carefully, when, when the seal opened, he's already in the spirit. When the seal opened, a movie kicks on in front of him. And he sees certain things. One of the things you'll see when you get to heaven is that the books there are interactive and... Never mind, y'all gonna pull me in. Revelation 10, 1 through 4. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head. His face shined like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire. That's an extreme place, y'all. And his hand, and in his hand was a small scroll that had been opened. He stood with his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Sadhu said he saw that angel. He said he's taller than the Empire State Building. And he gave a great shout like the roar of a lion. And when he shouted, seven thunders answered. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, keep secret what the seven thunders said and do not write it down. They didn't say it wouldn't come to pass. You're just not allowed to forecast it to planet earth. So we don't know what is involved with these seven thunders. There's a possibility that the coronavirus is based on one of them. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that why? We don't know because he was told to write everything. But when it got to that and he heard seven thunders say seven different things. And he said, I got ready to write what they said was going to happen. And heaven said, Shh, don't tell planet Earth that one. We're going to surprise them. And a surprise won't be nice. Everyone said, you can have that. Just like you can have that darkness in the land of Goshen. Can you imagine just sitting still for three days? You can't go nowhere. You can't see. And the possibility of the darkness so thick, it was holding them down. That's why they couldn't go anywhere. You can have that, man. That's the seven thunders. Revelation 15, 5 through 8. Then I looked and saw the temple in heaven. God's tabernacle was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chests. Then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. I have no idea what it looks like when there are seven angels who have bowls and in the bowls, is the wrath of God in liquid form. Now the Bible says God has reserved his wrath for the end. So this is like seven, 6,000 years worth of anger all stored up. So these are not bowls that you eat cereal out of. These bowls are not the size of this building. These bowls might be larger than planet Earth. Either way, you got seven of them, and I'll let you read that yourself. The Bible says about that time, which apparently is supposed to last about seven years, it says that the Lord didn't, short, didn't shorten it. Not even a leaf would last on planet Earth. Luke 21, talking about the end of days. 
There will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. We've seen that with all of the blood moons and the eclipse that the body of Christ doesn't believe in yet. Even though in the beginning, Jesus, what did God say? He said, I'm going to create the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they will be for what? Signs. He told you times and seasons. And he told them that at the beginning. Well, no, we don't believe in that. That's astrology. No, that's the demonic form of signs. Y'all, so much so that when it, you know what? How many of you know that the Lord didn't have to tell the shepherds to follow a star? They had to follow a star to find out where Jesus was. The first level of GPS. Luke 21, 25, there'll be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. He wasn't talking about the ocean, he was talking about the drama. People will be terrified of what they see coming up on the earth, for the powers in the heaven will be shaken. I got to teach on that. That one phrase, you know what it means? It means that the, listen to what it said, the powers in the heaven shall be shaken. Now, in Ephesians, it talks about the four groups of powers that are in the heavenlies. So what it's saying here is that the war between God and Satan will get so intense, the overflow will pour over into planet Earth in the form of pestilence, earthquake, and drama. Listen to what it says. It says people will be terrified about what they see coming upon the earth. Why? Because the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Isaiah 61 through 2. How many know some scary stuff coming? But in Isaiah 61 through 2, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen. So apparently we're not supposed to be dark, just like they weren't dark in the land of Goshen. Where everybody worried about the end times. It's supposed to be a movie for you. The two definitions of darkness, because he said one is going to be on planet Earth and one will be on the people. First one is it literally means misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. How many of you we see that multiplied times seven? If you don't believe me, just go turn on CNN and Fox News when you get on. Or go on turn on social media. Unless they close your account because you're a Christian. Second definition is growth darkness. It says, this is what will be on the people as a result of what was on the world. They will be gloomy, depressed, and dark clouds will be over their minds and their spirit. Okay? So, I'm going to encourage you to do something. And let's read this next scripture first. Proverbs 6, 6 through 9. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? And when will you wake up? That's not a coincidence that, that you had Jesus making same strange statements. Pray that your flight not be in the winter. Nobody knows what that means. But here you have ants, and it says, see, I told you, God has created everything first, and he created man last, so he'd be able to point to creation to show you what to do, dummy. So he said, don't be stupid. He said, be like the ants. What do the ants do? <clears throat> While things are plenteous and things are good, 
they save so that when winter comes and everything is dead, they can chill and still eat like it's the summertime. So, I'm going to say again, the Lord shared with Lisa, how many years ago was that when the Lord told you it would be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine? 2014, okay? So, let me say something. As much as I believe and accept prophecy, at least in this house, I don't know what some of the other jokers are saying. Guess what? Today, some of the prophecies and some of the dreams is the Lord trying to kick you in the butt to try to get you to wake up. Not that you're going to be destroyed, but God wants you to be comfortable in the last days like they were in the land of Goshen. Because if you were in the land of Goshen and you did not leave, you did not know that there was drama going on in Egypt unless it was gossip and hearsay and through the grapevine like my man made with that song. Because there were no flies, there was no drama, there was no darkness. Everything was going on in that place. But it's two sides to the sword. The one where God protects you and then the one where you do some things in the natural so that you will not be uncomfortable. Because let me remind you again, is coming and it's already here and the Lord told when I went to Sam's Club a few weeks ago I didn't know we had a lot of people in our house <laughs> so I had the nerve to be at Sam's Club and for you that are listening in other countries Sam's Club is one of our what we call markets in the communities so many people joining us from other countries have to change my language a bit. So what you would call the market or the store, was that our, one of our stores is named Sam's Club, where you go get groceries and food and products. And I went in there, and when I was getting a bunch of stuff for myself, I decided to be another blessing to a lady. And we get to the counter, and they had pre-programmed the computers that you could only get limited. So this lady, I had got, told her to get two bags of rice. She gets to the counter, burp. Sorry, sir, you can only get one bag. So what you mean I'm going to get one back? Oh, the computers are pre-programmed. And so I said, well, she has a bunch of kids. It don't matter how many kids she has. The computer won't let me do it. Then there's a particular company that my wife and I get stuff from. I have a personal account and I have a business account. So when everything came in, they start limiting what you could buy. So I said, oh, I got something for y'all. I'm going to order as much as I can on my personal account, and then I'm going to switch over to my business account. But they had pre-programmed the computers to know that I had a business and a personal. So when I ordered it on my personal, they would not let me order more on my business. So here's the issue. And while the Lord would say, make sure, and we keep telling you, and I'm telling this to the online audience, what is wrong with you preparing your household so that if you couldn't leave for two to three months, you would be just fine? What's wrong with that? That's not Armageddon. That's not me telling you to stand in your home, sell your home and go stand on top of a mountain. That's me telling you they're already doing it. They're already doing it. But you know what? There are some Christians, they got this mentality, I'm going up in the rapture. That's what you said 20 years ago when you lost your job. I don't need life insurance. I have a problem when people start having dreams like this on a regular basis. You go to the store, and in the dream, you walk in the store. And you walk right up to the counter. 
And the ladies that work there at the checkout line are all just staring at you, looking at you like you have a problem. And then in a dream, you're looking at them like they have a problem. And there's a stare off. And it's so long, you then turn around and see that the reason why they're looking at you crazy is because there's nothing on the grocery store shelves. That was the pizza I ate last night. No, it wasn't. That was the Lord kicking you in your butt because you ain't got enough sense to study an ant. So in my mercy, I'm going to start giving you a dream. You understand what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. What you going? Between the political climate, between the threat of another country, and between the threat of something apocalyptic, meteor, flood, Atlanta got shut down just with snow. And that was a very surreal feel because it felt like we were in zombie land. Because for three days, nobody went anywhere. Everything was closed. And all you saw were people trudging through the snow, trying to find a little pizza shop. The grocery stores were closed. The gas stations were closed. My little raggedy job made me come to work anyway because I was working security. And I remember the unreal feeling when I was the only vehicle on the freeway coming and going for 30 minutes with the coronavirus. That was very surreal to me when 12 o'clock in the afternoon, we lived by a place that got every store and shop you can imagine. That was very surreal to me to leave my house at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and there are no cars on the road. And it's just increasing. And it's an increasing. There are two sides. The Lord came to Moses and said, tell the people to just stay in the land of Goshen. Stay close to me and they will be protected. But he came to Joseph and said, hey, based on what's coming, tell the people to save up so that they'll live comfortably. And you won't be wilding out and killing each other and stabbing each other in the neck because you don't have any food. And let me tell you something. Don't be telling your neighbors what you got. Last scripture. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five, for, five were wise. What's deep is all of them were bridesmaids. All of them would call themselves Christians. All of them would call themselves kingdom folk. But it didn't matter what they were called. What matters is what the Lord saw. He said they might have called themselves this, but I'm telling you, five were stupid and five were wise. Verse 3, the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra. Save up extra. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the other ones had enough sense to say, sorry, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. We finally got our oil. The store was closed. We had to wait for them to open. But he called back. I don't even know who you are. So you too must keep watch 
for you don't even know the day or hour of my return. He said day or hour. He didn't say week, month, or year. That statement going to get me in trouble right there. Okay? So, let me tell you the main reason why the Lord wants you to prepare. It's not because of you. It's because of the, all of the other scary folk and what they will do because they don't live in the land of Goshen. As soon as they hear bad news, they're going to do a bank run. In Atlanta, where we get, where we have a lot of sunshine, in Atlanta, if they just forecast snow, the shelves are empty. A corona come, comes in and can't nobody get toilet tissue like trees are extinct. This is what people do when they are afraid. They panic. And do you remember what Satan told Jesus in Luke chapter 4? He said, your father does not even want you to hit your foot against a stone. He always wants you to be comfortable. And the only reason why he'll use discomfort is to work foolishness and pride out of you. But besides that, he always wants you to be chilled out. What good parents wants their child to deal with any drama? What good, child wants their ch what good parent wants their child to go without a meal? What good, child wants their, what good parent wants their child to be too cold or too hot? You understand what I'm saying? Or not clothed? What good parent wants their child to fear any fear whatsoever? What good parent? And what did God say? If you, being carnal and sinful and stupid, know how to do that, how much more do I want y'all to be comfortable? You understand what I'm saying? So, it's a two-sided blade with today's sermon. And that is, when it came to Moses and his group, and you know what the deep part about Joseph's story is? Is that the Lord gave the dream to a wicked Pharaoh. He gave the dream to a wicked king. And the dream really wasn't about saving Egypt. The dream was about saving up so that the people of God would have a place to go when the famine hit. He wasn't thinking about Egypt. He's always thinking about you. But you got to, there, unfortunately, you know, the richest man in Australia, he says something, and, and he said it was disrespectful to the Christian community. It's okay, because Jesus said the same thing to his own people. He said when it comes to worldly things and worldly wealth and common sense, he said Christians don't have a brain. In Luke chapter 16, read it. He said, when it comes to financial things, the children of the world are wiser in this generation than the children of light. Peter Daniels told his doctor, if, they, if I ever go crazy and they successfully learn how to do brain transplants, give me the brain of a Christian because they don't think. They got to wait on the Lord for everything. The Lord ain't told me to buy extra groceries because he shouldn't have to tell you that. Did the Lord tell you to brush your teeth this morning? Did he give you a vision whether or not you should use Crest or Colgate? Did he tell you whether or not you should use mouthwash to get rid of that bad breath? Did he tell you whether or not to take a shower or a bath? Did he choose your clothes for you? Did he determine which street you should drive down and how fast you should drive? You don't even pay the spade, uh, obey the spade, speed limit, so I know you ain't going to listen to him. They didn't say no man on that because apparently everybody speeds. When you went to lunch today, did the Holy Ghost tell you what food to eat? No, he expects you to think. You know what? When your children get older and they do something dumb, what do you say? Why should I have to tell you this at this age? But Christians get goofy. They just really get goofy. It's just, you know what I'm saying? It's just, just because you love Jesus don't mean you're not goofy. 
Just because you live holy does not mean you are not crazy. There are some things the Lord should not have to tell you. Um, excuse me, sir. There's a bus coming. Um, yes, well, the Lord did not tell me to move out of the way. Okay. <laughs> Satan tried to get Jesus to do that. You remember what Jesus said? He didn't say, my father will always. He said, you shouldn't tempt God like that. Tempt him to do what? Not do it. Because if you do something that crazy and there's 10 other Christians watching you, then the other 10 Christians are going to start doing that crazy. So every once in a while, I got to let that bus run, bus run over your foot so that the other crazy Christians know to step back from the bus instead of seeking the Lord. The Lord hasn't told me to save some extra money yet. Yes, he did. It's in the Bible. But every time it says savings, you read past it. You want to spend all your money all the time. Let me tell you all something. The Lord is very slow to tell you something that he already wrote down. And if he tells you something that he already wrote down, it's because he loves you so much he's being merciful because he knows you don't read or you read selectively. So no reason for anybody here or online to be scared. But there is a such thing as wisdom. And the Bible says wisdom is a defense and it says money is a defense. You use, do you know what the Bible even says? In, do you know what Jesus said about money in Luke 16? He said, when you start making money, he said, use it to make friends. So that if you ever fail, they'll come and help you out. You understand? See, Jesus always teach you how to use money wisely instead of spending it all up and then asking God to do a great and mighty miracle for you at the last moment. And the problem is, is that if God keeps doing that for you too long, you're going to live off that. And you won't have wisdom. You'll be living off grace and mercy. And then it'll just stop. And that's when you got to, you know. So, I don't know what is coming in every single area. There are many things that are out there in the spirit that Lucifer is working on. From the down, let me say something that I know many people may not like. Because some people, like, they, they like to get into pretend land that everything is going to be all right. It is for those that live close to God. But the truth be told is the United States was always destined for doom. Because Jesus said a house divided can never stand. And the fact that we have one government with two sides that constantly oppose each other. And every year and every term, they get more and more violent towards each other. More and more violent towards each other. Nothing can stand. There is a book, there is a session in the book of Revelation, and everyone agrees that it's talking about the United States. It's inevitable. What is also inevitable, that the Lord is always going to take care of you no matter what rises and falls. This is still going to be your greatest year. You understand what I'm saying? I said this is still going to be your greatest year. Whether you're here or in another country, this is going to be your greatest year. The Lord promised that he promised you that. The law of seed, time, and harvest. He said in the last days, he said, gross darkness will come into the planet. He said, but everybody will see that my glory is upon you. So quit acting scared like the wicked. They, they should be scared because they don't know what's coming. The Bible says the wicked runs from something that is not even there. I'm going to end by saying this. I was actually going to cut off the feed and share a couple of things. And then the Holy Spirit told me not to. <clears throat> I'm going to say this, and I won't say it a whole lot in the future. 
There will be times here that I will say things that are strange. I will say things in code, and I will say things in other languages. It will be because I'm outthinking algorithms that have been weaponized to look for speech. There is no algorithm that can beat the wisdom of God. So there will be times when the Holy Ghost will say, do this and say this now. There will be times when he will say, pray in your heavenly, heavenly language because I'm confusing something that's trying to take you out. But in the meantime, I will say certain things that I didn't plan on saying. And I'll still talk in a little bit of code. What is going on right now in the United States is beyond wicked. The Lord isn't allowing it to judge what was in the hearts of the sons of God and expose wickedness for what it was. You're getting an expose about what is going on in private. So those who hate Trump are all hip, hip, hooray that social media shut him down. After they shut you down, shut him down, though. What you going to do when they come for you? Because the truth be told is they don't shut down liberals. They only shut down righteous folk and conservative people. That's okay. So it's amazing to see the arrogance of thinking that you have the right to shut down the king. Whatever your name is for him, the Bible sees them as kings, nothing else. They're kings, whether they stay in forever or whether they're voted in. Heaven sees them as the king. And the Bible says certain things about the king, whether you like him or not. I can guarantee you the folk who, whether he's good or bad, righteous or evil, that's irrelevant. I can guarantee you the people that run their mouth about this current king have probably spent less than 15 minutes in the last four years praying for him. But if we calculate your running of the mouth and gossip about him, we might run out of hours. And God is just recording it all. And if you have no problem with God judging you the way you have judged the king, then keep on running your raggedy double-breasted lips. I'm very appalled, not at what's going on in the nation. I'm appalled at the ones who say that they belong to God. The ones who are experts about other affairs, but have no manifestation even in their own household. They're experts. They just are. They can't please their spouse, but they're experts. They can't get out of debt, but they're experts. You got all these pastors who they couldn't even tell you when somebody got healed supernaturally at their church. So they haven't figured out healing, but they figured out him. They can't interpret a dream, but they figured out him. Never ran into a demon, let alone cast out one, but you can figure out him. All of the stuff that the Bible says about your job responsibilities, you don't do. But you're a master at somebody else's job responsibilities. That's being broadcasted about airwaves to see if you will believe a lie. So, they're going to hate me and they're going to talk about me. The only problem is, uh, for those that talk about me, about behind my back, all you're doing is losing your reward and helping me build mine. So I personally hope that you run your mouth about us. But you have to ask yourself, why, why are they silencing him and all of the conservatives? And I got a pastor friend of mine that it is a, let me tell you something, it is a 100% fact that they have programmed algorithms to look to see, there are certain key words that when you say it, it triggers the computer to watch you. 
I won't mention the name, but there's one particular social media outlet that they have about 44, 45,000 employees covering the accounts of 400 million. 45,000 people can't cover 400 million, but an algorithm can. Can I ask y'all a question? If you're losing your job next week, why we need to fire you this week? Is it possible that there's something else going on? And Christians too stupid and got their head in the sand to see that? Because if you don't have discernment about your own life, how are you going to have discernment about the kings? I'm just curious. I mean, they... So, they said that we should impeach him. I'm just talking for a second. I'm not saying they right or wrong. I'm not saying I know what I'm talking about. I'm just curious because they said that we should impeach him because he's a threat to, threat to democracy. I mean, homosexuality and abortion is not a threat to democracy. And child pornography is not a threat to democracy. And all of the people on the internet cussing and using foul language and talking about running through women and doing drugs and smoking weed, they're not a threat to democracy. But for some reason, he is. And they said, well, you know, the people raided the Capitol because of him. Oh, okay, well, I mean, I'm going to read exactly what he said to them, and I quote, and you can look it up yourself. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. I thought the key word that he said was peacefully. But yeah, but they stormed it. But how can he be blamed for that? The same way that if you leave here and go rob a bank, well, what? You, you, know, you know how people are crazy. Okay? So, I'm going to close with this. I'm just curious how much of a threat he is when he did keep his word to the Jews and say that he was going to move their embassy to Jerusalem. He did keep his word to the pastors and say that he was going to protect us. Most pastors don't know that because they're not smart. And they're gossipy. They're not intelligent. He did protect us with the government and from the government. Most people don't know that the previous administration, I have never said publicly what, they're, what they tried to do to the church. I've never said it publicly or privately, what they were actually trying to do, because too many people will be offended because they're in the skin color and not the tr truth. I know that if you stop abortion, that's a threat to democracy and that you defund Planned Parenthood, that that's a threat. I didn't know that if you give black colleges equal funding to Harvard and Yale, that that's a threat and that if you create prison reform, that's a threat. I didn't know that if you put the Ku Klux Klan in the category of a terrorist organization and you make Juneteenth, which is a black holiday, a national holiday. I didn't know that if you do things for Hispanics and Asians and whites and that the unemployment is the lowest of all time and that he kept his word with all of the money he was going to pour into the black community and then had a platinum plan where he was going to pour $500 billion into the black community for the next four years, I didn't know that was a threat. I didn't know that if you just don't like someone, that's a threat. I got 249 things, and I'll pretty much stop there. And whether you like the wall or not, it's 450 miles of wall that were put up in four years. I don't know how you do something like that. You go to the border 
And the guys will tell you that the crime on that border and all of the stuff that they were dealing with has gone down 70%. It sounds to me, maybe it's not a threat against democracy. Maybe it's a threat against demonology. Because I'm just curious as to if Jesus said, light don't fight, darkness doesn't fight against darkness. I'm just curious as to why all of the witches and the warlocks and the abortionists got together to place curses on this man. And maybe you can't see that because you were part of the curse. And maybe that's why your church is failing. It's because God pulled back. Because you think he with you because you got people. But there's no manifestation there. There's no glory there. Because whether the king is right or wrong, whether you're righteous or wicked, you were supposed to obey the word when it came to the king. And if Biden and the young lady get in, because I always mispronounce her name, not on purpose, by mistake. If they get in, if they get in, guess what I'll be doing? Whether I like them or not, and whether they're righteous or wicked, whether they support Satan or they support Jesus, I'll be praying for them the same way that I was praying for the current king. And it's okay if you're wrong, because it's never too late to make it right. But what I will promise you, America, and all of the other ones that are listening to around the world, around the world, what I will promise you is, is that there are many that are going to be judged for how they treated this king. And it doesn't matter if you don't believe me. The word of God is true. It doesn't matter if you don't believe. Gossipers have no idea how much they are in league with Satan. Because the Bible labels Satan the accuser of the brethren. And when you accuse someone of something and they really didn't do it the exact way that you're judging them for it, that thing comes upon you. And you won't be able to trace it. You won't. My dad taught us this. He said, you sow a seed today and then you start driving. He said, and then you run into a tree 10, 15 years down the road. You just run into it and don't know that that was the harvest that sprung up on the seed that you sowed 15 years ago. And right now, there is an ignorance problem in the world coupled with the ones who say they are the church. They can't trace anything. David had to inquire from God, why is there such an economic famine? He said, simple. Saul killed some innocent people. And so their blood, based on the law of seed time and harvest, demands that an economic downturn comes down. So the next group that's coming in said they're going to put abortion back in place. Make sure you can do it at nine months. And they're going to remove the term mother and father. They've already done that. Mother, and father, and brother, sister, grandparent, grandfather. Those are no terms, no longer terms that we will be allowed to use. You know why? I'll leave it here. Because the church wanted Saul. It's as simple as that. Because whoever God picks, you will never like them. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Moses. David's family members didn't like him because he was a product of rape. I'm sorry, he was a product of uh, um, adultery. They didn't like him. God never, you never liked the leader. You know why? Because you don't have the ability to judge his heart. God does. And God doesn't do things based on your pocketbook. He does things based on eternity. And you can't trace that. That's why he says in the scripture, 
keep your mouth off the king. But he made a bad decision, keep your mouth off the king. But I don't like his policy, keep your mouth off the king. I think he's racist, keep your mouth off the king. And if you keep your mouth off the king, I'll keep other folks' mouth off you. If you keep your mouth off the king, I'll keep Satan's mouth off you. But that's the reason why these guys will not advance in the future because you kept your mouth on the king so God would allow Satan to keep his mouth on you. Uh, and when the gates of hell come against you, Jesus said, only I can stop that. You can't stop the gates of hell on your own. You can't do it. But Jesus said, I'll build my church. So, again, that's why the Bible says in the last days there'll be a famine for the gospel. Would let you know that most of the crap out here in the name of the Lord is not the truth. It's fake bread. It's food past the expiration date. It's cakes and cookies and ice cream. But it's not anything that's going to turn sheep into lions. It's religion dressed up as Christianity. So you ain't seen nothing yet. There are a lot of dreams that have been given about martial law. If they just announce that, they'll do a bank run. They're going to do a food run. They're going to do everything run. They can't even, let me tell you something. We like to go to the gun range and practice shooting. Guess what the main problem is? We can't find ammunition nowhere. You go to the gun stores, it's empty because people are panicking. And it ain't even started yet. The next virus is getting ready to roll in. They can't handle this one. They upset because you can't watch basketball in a sports arena. That's what they upset about. They're not looking at, uh, y'all, wait a minute. Um, I think Revelation might be rolling in now. But no. Remember what the book of Revelation says? It says, God lets it keep on coming. Keep on coming. And then it says this, very scary. But they still wouldn't repent of their wickedness and of their sin. So God said, okay. Let's bring some more. Keep it coming. Bam. Blow another trumpet. Boom. Break another seal. Boom. Let that thunder ring. Bam. And it says they still wouldn't repent of their sorceries and their wickedness. This one might get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. I ain't big enough to get in trouble, but I better stop. My wife and I were someplace, and I overheard two ladies talking. One lady said to the other lady, such and such, such person, his dad is a doctor. And his daddy refuses to give his children that. So the boy then went to his daddy's friend, who is a doctor. And his friend said, I'm not giving that to you. I'm not giving it to my own kids. Well, I'm going to give it to you. So he finally found one of his other daddy's friends, and that friend gave it to the boy in secret. Question, Batman, why the doctors don't want to give this to their own kids? Because they will always easily give you a prescription that they won't give to their own family members. If you don't follow peace, you'll be a dead man today. And the peace will never make sense. You'll have the ability to obey it, obey it, but it won't make sense. This is the greatest time for the true church. The fake ones are going to just fall away. And guess what the Bible says? It says the darker it gets, he said, they will... I didn't read the next scripture. It says, kings and the Gentiles will come to the brightness of your rising. This is the time we rise. And he said, my light will be seen upon you because it's going to be so dark. People are going to start panicking and like, oh, Lord, I think we're going to have to turn to them crazy Holy Ghost church folk. Some will never turn. 
They're going to fight us to the end. And like I said before, it's a scary thing to see a few companies that I can count on one hand with broken fingers control everything. If you think there are not going to be any repercussions behind that, I'm sorry, because I don't care how big your company is. The bigger it is, the greater it can fall. And if God makes it fall, it will never get back up. But things are happening so that the hearts of men and women can be exposed. He's trying to show Christians, I'm giving you a display of what's coming for you in the future by what came for the king. But they're too stupid to see that. He's also exposing the hearts of Christians to see if you really do believe that this man is a racist, wicked man, why would you not obey the word? It said to pray for your enemies and bless them. That's what it said. But they don't care about what it said, Well, All they care about is what they feel. And all they care about is what they're being fed through a screen for people that are trying to deceive you. That's all they care about. Yes, the Bible says that. There's be men that they will love darkness more than they love light. Embrace it. So, I'm done. So, to everybody, that's the reason why the God, Lord called us to lead in this moment. Because obviously there are a whole lot of people that are just flat out scared. But the Bible that I read said that those that are in the land of Goshen and those that are hooked up with Joseph, and just in case you didn't know, Joseph is the Old Testament version of Jesus. So the Bible that I read said, this is supposed to be our greatest time, not our weakest time. Better start walking up these stores like, oh, I'm going to own this piece in a second because I know y'all get ready to close. Down! You better start walking around like you know who you are. They know who I am. They know. I am that crazy fool that's still walking places with no mask. They just look at me. Don't even say anything to him. I know he's going to bust me right into my mouth. <laughs> not disrespectful to anyone. Don't get me wrong. I put my mask on to make other people comfortable. But you got to get out of your fear. I wear it to make people comfortable, not because I need one. Did you get it? I don't know. I'm damn serious. I mean, I started feeling bad for a week, and I told you, I just laid down, just chilled, and, and all of that. I, see, my wife and I don't investigate sickness and disease like that. You know why? Because I'm going to do the same thing, no matter what, if it was cancer, if it was AIDS, if it was the Ebola virus, whether it was a common cold, I'm going to do the same things. So why do I need to know what it is? Well, you know, you might need to, no, I don't might need to do anything. That's fear. Either the rest of Devon and I are so grieved by people who say they believe the word. No, you don't. You just like, you, you just like church. You just like being a part of the kingdom of God. You don't really believe the sucker. Because when you really believe it, you'll stare face into death and see, let's see, let's play chicken death. Let's play chicken. I'm going to go as hard as I can, and you go as hard as you can. And let's see who's willing to turn first. And that's what we call it. We call it by God to play chicken with death. I say some of the craziest stuff in the world, don't I? But that's why Jesus said, Satan is coming for me. Ah, but when he shows up, he won't find anything. This is going to be your greatest year. I said, this is going to be your greatest year. This is going to be your greatest. I don't care. I'm glad. God called us to be here during this time. While everybody is buckling down, he's telling us to open up and go out. That's how it is. God is always going to do that. He's always going to defy the darkness. Darkness says shut down. Uh, no, darkness has no business telling the light what to do. 
turn on that light switch. And the light says, hold on a moment. Darkness is a little strong today. <laughs> God created light and darkness as signs. We are the light of the world. And he said, no man lights a light and puts it under a bushel. He sets it on top of a hill so that everybody can see. They're getting ready to see us. They're getting ready to attack us, but that's going to be the greatest mistake they ever made. I'm telling you, whoever attacked you now, they're going to wish they had never done that one. They're going to beg. Quick testimony, and then we're going to stand to get up out of here. Jerry Savelle, many of you don't know who he is. And I need to be careful about just throwing out people's name on the internet now. But I just said it now. Jerry Savelle, great man to God. He said years ago, he said he walked in a 7-Eleven. If you're online, that's a little store that you can walk in. I got to really be serious about my language. I gotta, I'm serious. That's very... I mean, <laughs> he walked in a store. And he said when he walked in the store, there was a man at the counter. Oh, God, I remember this story. This has to be the Holy Ghost. He said he looked at the man at the counter, and the man was paying for his stuff at the counter, and the man turned and looked at Jerry. And he said he, when he did, the man started screaming. He said the man started screaming, dropped all the stuff on the counter, ran up to Jerry, and fell on his knees. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Just start crying out. Have mercy on me. Boom, boom. And, you know, this causes a scene. Remember that scene in Coming to America when he went to the bathroom? <laughs> he said this guy is going in like he is... And, and so he finally got the guy to calm down and everything out there. He said he ran back to the car. He just sat there. He said, Lord, what was that? He said, that's the glory that my sons will walk in in the last days. Because I told you, the brightness, the glory would rest upon y'all. And it'll be so dark, it's going to magnify that thing. You're going to walk in places and be like, who is that? Any ever went someplace and the door opened and they're like, I know you a Christian. I went to that. That's happened to me all the time. I went to a beauty salon years ago before I even knew this stuff. Open up the door. Hey, I know you a Christian. Yeah. Saw that light before you even came in. And it went hardly dark back then. I'm telling you. Get used to people staring at you. Get used to going to the store. Wait a minute. Something came in with him. One of the greatest things that I've ever done, I shared this story with my kids the other day. I'm not going to get a full story is when I really did have to battle darkness. And I'm, talking about this, I'm talking about years ago. Did a funeral, it was a big funeral for a bunch of gangsters. And they were told to shut me down if I started preaching Jesus. And I remember the, my, my wife watched the Lord turn me into a thug for three to four days. He had to change my character to match them. She said, all, she said my face began to twist. And she said, it just walked around like I was angry. It was never at her or the kids. She said, but I just watched the Lord turn you into what you had to preach to. And I'll never forget this. I met with the ushers that morning because the funeral was getting ready to start. And, and this is the opposite of what I'm talking about. The funeral was getting ready to start. And I, I, I told the lady, I said, I need y'all to pray for me. I said, I said, there's something on me and it makes me feel like I'm going to do something real stupid and crazy today. As soon as I said that, the back of the church doors flew open. This dark-skinned dude with all red on and a big gold chain, he walked in like he owned the church. And when he came in, it felt like a thousand demons came in with me, with him. I mean, the dude is just walking like this church means nothing to me. He just walked in and it felt like an army of a thousand creatures walked in with that dude. So much so, everybody just backed off. He walked into the castle like he was going to kick it over. And I turned to him, I said, told you, 
and I walked right and met him right at that doggone casket. It was crazy. That's the only funeral I've done. And the funeral home directors told me, they said, dude, we'll be in the car. We're not dying today. About 400 people gave their life to Christ that day because I acted such a fool, I scared the Christians. There is no darkness. There is no darkness that exists that's gonna make me back up or blink or double guess. I'm supposed to be impressed with your little magic tricks? I'm supposed to be impressed when them demons told me that they were watching my house and that they were gonna come and get me? I'm supposed to be scared? I'm supposed to lose sleep over this because you threatened me from hell? You got kicked out of heaven and God gives me your power to get, and I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to back up? I'm supposed to blink. I'm supposed to be intimidated by what's out here. See, let me tell you something. When you ain't scared to die, ain't nothing moving you. The Bible says it's the fear of death that keeps you in bondage. And right now, Christians scared to die. You know why? They don't have a revelation of heaven. They got a revelation of church. Ooh, I think we going someplace, brother. I think we, I think we about to fly to friendly skies. Let's go ahead and stand to get up out of here.